Our long-form interview tonight is with actor and author Jane Tuttle, who's also the owner of the Queenscliff Bookshop. Queenscliff is down past Geelong at the entrance to Port Phillip Bay. We spoke to Jane on publication of her first book, Paris or Die, two years ago, in which she detailed the accident that almost decapitated her as she lived and studied in, in Paris at École Jacques Lecoq Theatre School. Jane's latest book picks up the story after she returns to Paris following her initial recovery from the horrific accident in which a lift descending in an unguarded lift well trapped her head and broke her cervical spine. I think the, the line that's come from the publishers is pretty good in explaining what happened to Jane. It says, A Paris stairwell, a descending lift... A young actress leans over the banister to call to her friends below, and then she is flying. So when we spoke to Jane, she just uh, had a close encounter with uh, an unprotected lift that almost took her head off. Well, her second book is called My Sweet Guillotine. Jane, it's lovely to have you back. Well, it's lovely to have you anywhere, but to have you back on the show is great. This is the second book. It opens with you going back to Paris. I wondered after the first one, whether you'd fallen out of love with this city and whether you'd ever return. No, I hadn't. And thanks for having me on, Graham. It's so nice to talk to you again. I had such a great chat last time. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I didn't fall out of love with the city. I, it's funny. I, I definitely developed um, a, an aversion to certain parts of the city, uh, namely the 20th arrondissement where the accident happened. But other than that, once I'd recovered from the accident back in Australia, uh, a couple of months later, I was back on a plane back there to to go back into the theatre to, to work. So yeah. I, um, yeah, well, still I've, was in love with the city. I, I figure I owe you an apology, actually, because I cajoled you into <laughs> explaining to the listener exactly what happened to you in that Paris apartment block. And I didn't realise probably, stupidly, the full extent of maybe the trauma that you were, the PTSD that you were suffering after the, uh, the accident and maybe there were other physical things as well. Um, so let me apologise straight up for, <laughs> for dragging the information out of Not you as, as coldly and callously as I did. But Not I just sort of all. thought someone needs to actually get this to quite sort of understand. And yeah. then when we see your next book, My Sweet Guillotine... That almost sounds like you're embracing it, but I don't know if you actually are. Yeah, it's um, it was a definitely a really, really traumatic thing to happen. That probably in Paris or Die, I still, in some way, was processing. I um, yeah. I, I had a lot of. I mean, I actually wasn't always going to put the accident in Paris or Die. Really. It, yeah, it was something that I remember feeling really deeply embarrassed and mortified and sh ashamed of the accident and, and thought it was so stupid that no one would ever be interested in it. Um, so it took a while actually and the writing of Paris or Die to get to that point where I was like, no, I, I really think this, this part, it's... it's um, it's an interesting part of the story. Oh, I, I guess I had to age a little bit. I had to have those years between the accident and 
the writing of the book in how, order to how many, look at it. How many years is it now since the accident? Well, it's actually, so what is it, 2022? It's actually 15 years since the accident now. Okay. So the the book we're reading now, My Sweet, My Sweet Guillotine, um, is is the period after you've re- uh, returned. You, you went to, back to Australia to uh, uh, get better. It took you about yeah. four months. Now you've you've returned to Paris. You're back in Paris. And, I mean, this, it's interesting because you almost play with uh, death in Paris. You're walking down a street with uh, your friend M, who shall otherwise remain nameless, and uh, you're talking about death by uh, falling as a, uh, as a pallbearer and getting squashed by the coffin. And you've got a whole lot of these, I don't know, Monty Python-esque uh, <laughs> scenes where you, as an actress, I suppose, are inventing crazy ways to die. Is that because you thought... You know, death by guillotine or by lift, elevator, whatever. That was a pretty crazy way to die. Yeah. And I have to tell you, those deaths, they're all real. They weren't invented. Is that um, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I researched them. Is I think that, that right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Death by Paul, uh, the pallbearer um, falling over and getting squashed by the coffin. That's unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah, you remember the odd spot in the age? I remember yeah, yeah. being fascinated by that. I've always been a bit fascinated with the macabre, but definitely after the accident, I think I was, well, ever since the accident, I've always been searching for something to compare what happened to me with and the sort of terrifying feeling of becoming the next Darwin Award winner, you know, like oh, wanting to know. Oh, Jane, well, <laughs> you were never going to get that award. <laughs> Oh, well, and that's something that I explore a lot in the book, the idea of the stupidity of it. Uh, you know, what, did it happen because I was so stupid or was there more to it? And I think that I, yeah, those kind of funny death stories and, and also that obsession with the fragility of life, you know, the, the sort yeah. of. The, the, the pot plant that could fall on your head any yeah, day. Yes, that's right. You were looking up constantly. In Paris. I don't think you ever saw the pavement. You're, you're looking yeah. for potentially falling pot plants. Um, yeah. I haven't noticed those in Paris, to be really honest with you, but, you know. I hadn't right. before, before no, the accident. I understand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you've got this, this whole page of dialogue with M where he wants you to take him to the scene of the crime. And mm. you don't want to go there. In fact, you're not even really interested in going to the 20th. But eventually you're forced to do that, aren't you? I don't want to spoil yeah. the end of the book, but you do get to a point where you're forced to do that. Do you know, let's just gloss over what happened in, the, at, at, in that particular scene. People, people need to read that. But uh, do you know now whether that lift is still unprotected in Paris? Well, I don't. You know, it's funny, before this book, uh, when I was writing this book, I wanted desperately to go back to Paris and to go back to that building and see for myself. Even talking about that right now puts me in a certain state. Mm. Um, I am terrified even now of that particular building in that area. But I still, it's the right, it was the right time for me to go back. But, of course, I, every time I went to go back, I, my flight got cancelled. Mm. I couldn't go. Um, and yeah. there was lockdown. Yeah. And so interesting. I think that there's something for myself personally that is, um, 
<sighs> it's horrific. I mean, I, I no, I don't know. Sorry mm. to become discombobulated when I'm talking about this. I don't no, know. No, I, I, I understand perfectly. And, you know, I'm sure there are things that we, you know, if we've had an accident on a particular street corner in the car, I won't ever drive mm. past that again. <laughs> so, no, yeah. I, I fully understand how you, you could feel that way. But what I was fascinated about was you walking along and you look across the river and you see where Marie Antoinette spent her last night yeah. before they took her head off uh, back in the day. And, of course, that becomes a trigger for you, if only to write another piece to compare your situation, I suppose. But you do it, you do it with a very dark sense of humour, Jane, uh, although who's to know what's lying underneath that? I, I sense maybe there is more mental anguish than I initially gave you credit for when I forced you to tell me what the heck happened. Um, oh, or how no. you're now dealing with it. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, I'm fine. I'm actually so, so grateful to have survived. This is the Travel Writer Show on J-Air 88FM in Melbourne. Jane Tuttle, author and actor, is speaking with Graham Kemlow about her new book, My Sweet Guillotine. And I think that you know, in lots of ways, and I'm sure you'd relate to this as a writer, you know, you, you're always looking for a story and mm. to have a story like this is a gift, you know. It's something yeah. that, it's something that I, you know, I desperately wish I could sit down and write something about something completely unrelated to myself. But I just happened to have this particular story and it was pretty fun in lots of ways, as, as traumatic as it was. You know, I've come out completely unscathed, really, apart from a bit of <laughs> mental trauma yeah. and a bit of a stiff neck. So yeah. what am I going to do? Of course I'm going to, at some point in my life, try and flesh it out, even if it's, you know. It's interesting you say that you considered not putting it in Paris or Die. We've all seen Under the Tuscan Sun and those other stories about lolling about in a, in a new country, a new city, enjoying all it has to offer, and Paris has got plenty. But do we need another book about Paris that doesn't have a, a really transfixing story in it? I agree. And I wouldn't have written... It's, it's a little, sometimes a little, uh, not embarrassing, but it's hard to overcome the Paris label in a way in writing because it's such a evocative and powerful image you know people straight away think of the croissants and the the sunsets over the Eiffel Tower and uh, you have to you know it was really fun for me and it was something that I really wanted to do to try and subvert that image that we have of Paris I mean you know I'm a I'm a young, healthy, white woman. You know, my experience of Paris is still a particular one, but I, um, I feel like I just really wanted to show a different side of the city and, and with a lot of love as well, with so much love because it's, the, it's this threat and uh, excitement that I love the most about it. And that was what was really hard about writing about the accident too in lots of ways because part of the reason I love the city is it's not safe, you know. You run, you tear around on bikes without helmets on and you smoke and eat, you know, goose liver or whatever. You know, it's, mm. it's not healthy. It the rules aren't as, a, as um, important there as, as they are in Europe in general. 
as they are in places like Australia. And as a as an Australian used to always towing the line and being the good girl, it's really nice to go to these places where you they just they're more they place a real value on the the life that you live rather than longevity necessarily. Sure, or, sure. Um, yeah. But you know, you you knew well that Paris had its own set of rules too. I and, did, and uh, that, and I still didn't know, see it coming. Yeah. No, well, you know, I, I bet you that's not the only lift in Paris that's not protected. You know, and, yeah. and I can fully understand what happened to you and and how it happened. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm you know I'm not sure whether you went flying through the air to the bottom of the stairs or what happened after that. Mm. But you know, you, uh, I guess there's probably things you can't even answer in that respect. But um, no, well, there are things I know, you know, from the facts of what happened. But there are a lot of there's still a lot of questions over. Uh, I, I really don't know how I survived, especially having well, especially having managed to get my neck out from underneath, which yeah. the little boy who the same thing accident happened to um, wasn't able. Yeah, to. well, that's another interesting twist in your story that that you felt you needed to follow this up because. There was a boy who had died, I guess, in similar circumstances to you in uh, yeah. the suburbs of Paris in a lift just like this, right? Basically, exactly the same thing happened. Yeah. He looked down over the stair, over the banister, just which he probably he actually lived in his building. He'd lived there all his life, so and he was fourteen, so mm. he obviously knew the building really well. He knew the the lift went up and down. And I think just in that moment, he probably looked over the banister a, a thousand times as well. Yeah. In the building that I was in, uh, it was very dark. The, the middle of the stairwell was black and there was no, right. it was deathly silent. It was completely silent in its descent. So, um, yeah, that was, but, that's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I, I broke my cervical spine at some point and I think it was when I was leaning over the stairwell when I had the lift on my head and then I fell down a, a flight of stairs so how so you the were probably fracture... very lucky yeah not to totally what you you could easily yeah. be in a chair in a wheelchair or worse yeah with a fracture like that you if it's keeps still you can survive but if you if it's moves at all you're um yeah you you're very lucky jane very and, lucky you know, we're all grateful <laughs> because you're a wonderful writer and you have a fabulous <laughs> attention to detail and i think i said that to you Last time we spoke, you talked about a room that you were staying in. Funnily enough, you went back to that same room uh, in this book oh. and you recalled the detail of the room and, um, oh, yes. you know, and I asked you and you said, well, you actually made notes. And, well, well, that's mm. great if you know you're going to write a book. But at that point, I don't think you did know you were going to write a book. It's interesting that you're able to give us the detail. And I know you've said that some of this is uh, what we'll call faction, um, you know, yeah. a bit of fact that you've you've put together with uh, some imagination, perhaps, and I guess there are acting skills involved in there in that as well, and being able to to visualise what needs to appear on the page. Uh, but it, yeah. it is a good read, and uh, you know, I've enjoyed it. A few times, I reached for my uh, Paris guide to find exactly <laughs> what street we were in, and was that little restaurant you just mentioned? Did I ever go there? Uh, should I ever want to go there? So you know, I found it. Uh, fascinating. As long as you don't look up the building in the twentieth, I was thinking you have a walking tour, a walking would, guide sorry, of my sweet I, guillotine. And <laughs> well, I've walked, um, I've walked in Hemingway's footsteps in Paris from a oh, book, yeah. Um, yeah. and I find that fascinating. And I saw where he used to catch pigeons in the park. 
You know, so there's lots of lovely things about going to Paris and, uh, you know, Rue Mouffetard and those beautiful market streets that are still there all these years later. Now, you're about to go back to Paris. This is your first trip since lockdown, right? Yeah. That must be a joy for you. I can't wait. I um, I feel ill at how much I'm dying to go. It's actually for the launch of the book. It's... um, Uh, with Paris or Die, I didn't get to go and launch it over in London and Paris. So this is really special. I'm going to actually have a proper book launch with the, a lot of the people that were involved in the creation of this, these books and these stories. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I just to, on the faction thing, I think um, uh, the, the, the story is, re- is 100% true. But the actual telling of it is a st- is a story, so you know you have oh, to. Oh yeah, find... no, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just thinking like I didn't it's such make a that clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um, such a tricky thing to define, and I think that my books really sit on the um, the fine line between fiction and nonfiction. It's... Yeah, and look, obviously, some of the conversations you had to write. Now, I I don't think walking down the street with M and uh, trying to avoid going to the twentieth, I don't think you would. Um, have written down every word that he that he said, but you knew the you, you knew the nuances of the conversation, and you knew where you didn't want to go, and you knew he was curious, and and we get that we yeah. read that very clearly on the page, and I one can understand it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you want to go you want to go with a story, don't you? Like you don't want to be um, yeah. You you have to try and lift the reader out of is this true or not true? Yeah, no, <laughs> and no, into the I, story. It's it's a good read. We're, whether you made it all up, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a good read, and yes, there is a nasty accident involved, and I don't think it defines you, but it's going to be part of you for a little while, maybe because this is the second book of a trilogy. So you've got one more book that you're currently writing, I believe. Yeah, uh, that maybe will leave the accident behind, and then you'll be able to get on to uh, Jane Tuttle reinvented or whatever the <laughs> whatever the next trilogy is. Well, Paris has a few other little surprises in store for me. A one very big surprise. So that you haven't revealed let, yet, you mean? No, that I haven't revealed yet. Okay. That sort of is an effect of the accident, but it, um, yeah, it's another kind of curveball, for want of a better word. That, yeah, you face a few of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in yeah. going back to Paris, uh, having recuperated to some extent. Obviously, you found you were still a little, maybe a little foggy, uh, perhaps, and you, yeah. um, you, you, it wasn't everything you wanted it to be in terms of the, the, the theatre work that you went back to do, was it? Yeah, it was, um, that was a really uh, quite challenging and also quite fascinating experience to actually have finished the theatre school at this point and actually be going out into the world with the skills that myself and my schoolmates had learned mm. and actually trying to put them into use and make a play and going over to Portugal to put together a show in a, in a matter of weeks and falling very, very flat on our faces and then starting to, to, to figure out what makes a piece of theatre work and the importance of writing, the importance of good direction and realising my failings. You're very honest there. I I wonder if you're too honest. (laughs) In what way? Well, you can clearly write. 
Oh, well, no, though. I think I really, because at the theatre school we were really, it, it was really important that we all work. It was very um, socialist, you know. It was like the old um, wow. mess was on to read, you know, like there was no, never allowed to be any one uh, ruler or director um, dictator. Right. So we had to all, we were always all involved in every step of the creation of the theatre. And okay. I think, yeah, when it came time to write a full length piece, I, I really thought that I needed to have a full time, a full script. But at the same time, I wanted everybody to have their part in it, in yeah. the creation. And it yeah. was just so, it ended up being just a total soup, as they would have said at Lecoq. So I was, it was very bad writing. It was terrible. It was half written and it was underdeveloped and it was confusing and it was unsure of itself and I think that by the time I came to write the next part to try and I, I wrote another play to try and prove to myself that I could write a play from beginning to end and that really brought something to life. But is that the play that ended up being uh, used for the, the by the puppet show. show? Yeah. 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 Yeah, oh. so... I ended up writing something without thinking about the theatre, without actually thinking of how it would be done, how yeah. an actor would come to it. I just wrote it and had fun with it. And yeah. it was, in the end, it was too ambitious for a, a typical theatre. You know, a typical theatre, would it would have cost millions of dollars to stage because right. it was so unusual and so so many different costumes and 24 characters and stuff. But yeah. it ended up being perfect for a marionette show right so right. yeah so it was a that was a really great experience as a as learning to write and learning to write theater from there I went on and did more of that and I still do sort of operate in that way hmm. trying not okay. to now tell me about the theater work that you've been doing or attempting to do and again I think you got shut <laughs> shut down by COVID yeah. but what have you been doing here in Australia over the past couple of years uh, yeah, is it related well, to the book yeah yeah, so um, a really interesting thing happened when so when we got locked down. I so Paris had died had come out, and I heard in the town. I live in I'm living in Point Lonsdale in, in Queenscliff, and I heard a rumor that this director John Bolton, a director who went to the Lecoq School in the 1970s, and who I've followed his career. He used to run a theatre school in Melbourne. Mm. I heard that he was in lockdown in his holiday house in Point Lonsdale, and that he was reading Paris or Die. And I was mortified. I thought, oh, God, am I going to get it right? You know, is he going to, oh. Anyway, he really liked it. And then um, a friend who runs the, there's, a, there's an art space down here that was sitting with its lights off because of the lockdowns. And she said to me, hey, would you like to go in and use that space and maybe make a one-woman show? Hmm. To which I, my heart just broke because I thought that's exactly what I've always wanted to do. I'm terrified. I've never done it before. And then I think the pandemic, you know, you start thinking things like, well, maybe, you know, this is my only opportunity. <laughs> What's the world going to be like tomorrow? Sure. Um, and so I felt daring and um, I said, you know what, I wonder if John Bolton would direct it. And so we got together and he said, yes, I will direct it. And what I think we should do is a one-woman show based on Paris or Die. Right. And so we got together once a week in this darkened hall with our masks on and we started to develop. We didn't know what it would be. You know, would it be a reading, a rehearsed reading, or would it be, a, you know, a, would we cast it with other actors or what would we do? 
we ended up developing a purely physical piece involving the book, a little bit of reading, but um, mm-hmm. uh, that was a one-hour play of the story of Paris or Die. So you sort of see the writer, you know, I'm reading my own work and I'm performing my own work, I'm performing the character, the characters within the play, uh, I'm sorry, within the book and mm. then myself. So it's this sort of bit of a hole of mirrors. It was, um, mm. it was really, really, really fascinating to do and then it got picked up. We did a run down here and I toured it a little bit in regional. Um, I went to Mansfield and mm. Beechworth with it and then Liz from La Mama came and saw it and then invited us to go and do it in La Mama. So we were performing it at La Mama when... We had a fantastic first week, and then I got COVID. Right, so, <laughs> so you I had to cancel the second week. But you um, still got an opportunity to do that again. Uh, believe, we're talking or? about it because okay. there's such a backlog with all the other shows from yeah. um, COVID. It's really, it's really hard. But um, yeah, that extra week should be caught up at some point. But there's all you can also watch it online. They took a video, so oh, okay. In the second week, they um, they posted that. So if people want to see it. that. They can just go to La Mama site, can they? Yes, I think you can still hire it. Um, okay. They released it just for a specific period, like right. two weeks, where you're allowed to watch the online, watch the live shows. Mm. I'm not sure. I should, I'll okay. check that out. Oh well, um, well, if if it's available there, we should tell the audience that. Yes. Now your um, your return to to Paris. How long are you going to stay there? Well, are you taking M? And also, <laughs> you've had a child since all of this, haven't you? Yes. How I old have. is she? So she's 11. Okay. Is she going to Paris with you? She is coming to Paris with me. M is not coming, Matt. Right. <laughs> Matt's not coming because he's already going twice this year. He's playing music over there. He's still got a band over there. Oh, um, this is the band you write about in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh. he developed... A couple of different in... people maybe, but basically yeah. the same group. Well, it, actually, in the next book, you'll find out that he actually um, he creates a French band. He actually makes a band. Oh, right. Okay. As over there, a French band. Um, oh, beautiful. Yeah. So he's going over to, he's just been and he's going back again. And then when he gets back, Frankie and I are going to go, because we've got the bookshop now, one of us really needs to be here. So Yeah, you've got um, the bookshop at Queenscliff, right? Yes. Okay. Well, if people want to see you or want to get this book of yours or the previous yeah. one signed, yeah. I'm sure you'll be happy to, to do that. And what are you going to do in Paris? Are you going to go to Shakespeare and Company and launch it there or what are you doing? Yes. Well, you are. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not launching it at Shakespeare because they're doing renovations this year. It's so funny. Oh. With Paris or Die, it was the same and they actually have had to postpone the renovations until this year because of oh, lockdown. Anyway, right. they're not doing events at the moment, so unfortunately. But I, I may be... Um, Hoping that I might be able to be in the artist residence there, so Frankie and I might spend a little bit of time in the um, the writer's residence, which would be really cool. Yeah, um, well, other some than that, famous people to... have uh, stayed there. Uh, yeah. Jane, some yeah, really yeah. famous names. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're going back to the Recollet. We're going to be staying at the Recollet again, where we right. were. Where you first were. were. Both yeah. these books are largely set, and yeah. um, and we're just going to have a couple of weeks of book touring and um, catching up with all Frankie's little pals and our pals and then we're back for Christmas. So it's only a very short, like, three-week trip. Right. Did, did your daughter go to school in Paris? Because prior to lockdown, 
You had been back to Paris. This isn't your first trip back since the accident. Um, no. Did she go to school there? Yeah, she did. She went to school till she was four. Okay. And then uh, we came back and then we spent sort of another, well, up until lockdown really, going back and forward. Right. Sort of half and half. So she got a beautiful little French accent. She does. Fantastic. You can hear her say the word pink. If you say to her, say pink, and she says rose, she's got the most incredible Is that right? <laughs> she corrects yeah. us all the time. She's, oh, she's well, embarrassed that's... by our terrible accents. Yeah, well, that's absolutely fantastic. Well, Jane, it's again, it's been uh, terrific talking to you. you. You're such a lively character and you write so honestly in in the book in fact i think sometimes you could leave a few things out but uh, <laughs> thanks dad <laughs> well, well you know how it is this is my dad said <laughs> this isn't as racy as your first book though isn't it okay that's good to know well, well he, there's one there's him. one main character missing ah true yeah you know and uh, you know <laughs> and maybe a good thing from your perspective because uh, uh, he didn't he didn't handle things very well for you did he well, no, he didn't. Mm. Anyway, I forg- I, yeah, you forgive yeah, him, yeah. though, do you? I forgive him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I one day he'll turn up to a book launch or something. Oh, uh, he will. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you were engaged, so I guess you know you you'd be entitled to to pull his ear if he did turn up. No, yeah. look, lovely, to, lovely to chat again. And and your book, My Sweet Guillotine by Jane Tuttle, is published by Hardy Grant. They they do some terrific. Uh, books and you've as as i've said you've got a third one coming how long do you think before we might see the third one um we're looking at sort of this time 2024 okay so, so yeah. that that'll be the next thing to look Couple forward of to years. yeah yep. all right Jane. i should mention actually that the parasol die is um has been recovered and is coming out in a new um a new look yeah um okay yeah. All right. Well, Jane, again, <laughs> thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're Pleasure. busy and enjoy Paris. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again at some point. That was Jane Tuttle with Graham Kemlow. My Sweet Guillotine is published by Hardy Grant and is in bookstores now. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.